1: The ball is down, the kick is on its way, the kick is up, the kick is good, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have defeated the Baltimore Ravens, and the Steelers are headed for playoff land. This is Saverin on Steelers. Hello and welcome to all in Steeler Nation. Welcome to the Saverin on Steelers podcast. I am Stan Saverin of ESPN Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Steelers radio network getting ready for another exciting regular season. And a reminder that you can join me and Charlie Batch in the post-game show oh, about 15 minutes after each game concludes. And we'll be on with you uh, talking about what just transpired in the Steeler game. Thanks to get your comments and thoughts as Charlie and I discuss the game with you, the Steeler fans, in Steeler Nation. We know a great deal about the Pittsburgh football team. It's the team that we follow The fans are listening. That's the team you root for. And we constantly go over all the uh, elements, the waiver transactions, the practice squad, all those things uh, about the Steelers. But as much as we know about the Steelers, we may not have full information about the teams in their division. AFC North figures to be highly competitive this year, as it is almost every year. Bengals, of course, are defending champions. The Steelers finished second, grabbed a wild card, and Cleveland and Baltimore tied for third or last, if you prefer to refer to it uh, as that way, with the records of eight and nine. Both figured they'll be rebound. A lot of people think the Steelers may be better than last year's nine, seven, and one. And the Cleveland Browns were considered the team to beat in the division, but then the Entire situation with Deshaun Watson erupted. He'll miss the first 11 games. Who knows what it does to them? And maybe, by process of elimination, the Baltimore Ravens end up being the favorite. Many, many question marks involving the Baltimore Ravens. We look at the Steelers, for example, and we wonder, just based on their roster construction the new people have been brought in, new coaches, new ideas, new schemes, that how the Steelers will do. Naturally, that's our primary area of focus. That's the team we know the best. It's the team that we focus on. But you can take your team, whoever it may be, and hold them up against what you think will be the best team in the conference or the entire NFL. But it all starts on a smaller scale. Everything that you've done in the offseason, everything you hope to do in the regular season, everything you hope you would accomplish in the preseason is relative to what you do in the division. That's where you start. I think you've talked to any pro coach, maybe even the players. Yes, of course, the long range goal is to win the Super Bowl. That's a given, that is understood. But there's always the possibility that you could be a wild card and get there. It has been done. The Steelers did it in 2005. But when you think about accomplishments, when you think about setting your goals, you look at the division. That's where it begins. You win your division. You know that you're going to have a home game, even with the expanded playoffs, and on it goes. So I thought today, rather than examine exactly what the Steelers have, in terms of personnel, playing time, all the roster moves that have taken place, it might be a good idea to look at the division. Because after all, more than a third of your regular season games are played against these three teams. Cincinnati, Cleveland, and Baltimore. That's the biggest chunk of your schedule. Six of the 17. Are played against teams in your division, which of course is true for every team in the NFL. Cincinnati is the defending champion, and you have to take your cap off or give them a helmet tap for what they accomplished. Accomplished last year, they were terrific in the playoffs. Most people thought they'd lose their very first game. They beat Kansas City to advance and played a very competitive game against the Rams. As you know, they were right there and in position to win that Super Bowl game. And some would think, well, there's an automatic uh, projection. There's a trajectory. Well, they won the division for the first time in a long time. They won the AFC Championship for the first time since 1989 and in their first Super Bowl since then but I don't know that it always goes that way. In looking at the Bengals, they have made significant changes to an offensive line. Their biggest concern entering last season was their offensive line, and indeed, Joe Burrow was hit way too often. Despite that fact, they got to within a quarter of winning the Super Bowl. But that doesn't mean that Lack of protection in a pass offense is sustainable. We already know that Burroughs suffered an ACL late in his rookie year. That he did what he did coming off that surgery is rather amazing in and of itself. And the Bengals reportedly purported, have improved their offensive line. Lyle Collins from Dallas, very good offensive tackle. So you give them that better offensive line, better protection and a better running game for Joe Mixon. But there are a couple of factors about the Bengals that I think ought to be mentioned when we consider their prospects in the AFC North in 2022. First of all, I don't want to take anything away from what the Bengals' accomplishment. They deserve all the credit in the world. They were a worst-to-first scenario. They finished last in the AFC North in 2020 and win it in 2021. By the way, that's not all that uncommon in the NFL. Interesting stat. Amazing, really, when you stop and think about it. 17 times in the last 19 seasons, a team has gone from worst to first in their division. The Bengals being the latest. Makes you wonder who might that be. It might even be in the AFC North. So good for them. But a couple things. Number one, being a last-place team in 2020, the Bengals played a last-place schedule in 2021. Presumably, the way the structure is intended, that means it's easier for the weaker teams. Well, by finishing first, this coming season, 2022, the Bengals will play a first-place schedule. It makes a difference. Last year, the Steelers had to play a first-place schedule. It makes it more difficult. Number two, for years, the Bengals have always been the Bungles, not only among Steeler fans throughout Steeler Nation, but really their franchise was looked at as haphazard, not very well run, cheaply done. And so I guarantee you, teams overlook Cincinnati. Eh, It's only the Bengals. Bad team, been a bad team for years. It's a natural letdown emotionally for opponents. Now, having been in the Super Bowl, no team is going to fall asleep on playing the Bengals. As a defending conference champion, they're going to get everybody's best. That wasn't necessarily the case. And again, it's not designed to take away anything from Cincinnati, but that's just a reality. No longer going to say, oh, good, this is almost as good as getting a bye. We're playing the Bengals this week. Well, now, not so much. I still think they'll be good, but I'm not so sure they're the slam dunk repeat Super Bowl team, AFC Conference championship team, or even a division-winning team. We move north about four and a half hours to Cleveland. The Browns season has been totally disrupted by the Deshaun Watson affair. How much will they struggle without him? With Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, maybe with our old friend Josh Dobbs. At quarterback, He's won the backup job there, at least until Deshaun Watson comes back in Week 12, 12th game, ironically, against the Houston Texans. In some ways, and I'm not going to suggest that Jacoby Brousset is anywhere near Deshaun Watson, but in some areas, it may turn out to be a blessing in disguise for this reason. The Browns possess who I think is the best running back in the NFL, and that's Nick Chubb. I don't think he gets the proper attention he deserves, mainly because he plays in Cleveland, and the Browns have been up and down, and unfortunately for them, they're known for other things other than winning football. They're known for the Watson fiasco, in some ways, the Baker-Mayfield fiasco. And they're known more for failures than they are for accomplishments. But they have a very good offensive line. They've got a great one-two punch with Chubb and different back, but every bit as damaging They've got D. Ernest Johnson, a pretty good third back to have. He'd be perhaps a starter on a lot of different teams. And they run the ball well. The only drawback with that is that their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, sometimes has a tendency to abandon the run because he's got this newfangled offense And wants to show it off. The problem with that was last year, he too often put the ball in the hands of an average quarterback. Maybe you consider Baker Mayfield below average. Now, if you've got an Aaron Rodgers, if you've got a Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, by all means... Give him the ball. Let him go to work. But if your quarterback happens to be Baker Mayfield then, or Jacoby Brissett now, maybe I'm minimizing the necessity to go to him when I can move the ball up and down the field on the ground. There were a number of games last year where they'd be moving the ball, and all of a sudden... He'd pull off a double flea flicker reverse somersault reverse on the three-yard line.
0: What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're
0: starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And it would ruin a drive. He just strikes me as kind of a guy, and I mean, I think he's a good coach. But you can't take this away. He just seems like a guy who wants to prove how smart he is. You've got Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, Dearness Johnson, run the ball if you're having success doing it. And they've got a very good offensive line. Defensively, they've made some really good draft picks. But I also think that they have issues at linebacker. They've bolstered their secondary with a good draft class. But I still think that they're vulnerable at linebacker. And both their defensive ends and Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney are really good against the pass. But I think you can run on them. And let's not forget, while most of the attention goes to the offense, defense is a part of this equation as well. Now, it won't be as big a deal once Deshaun Watson comes back, but what will the Browns' record be after 11 games? At the very least, it better be 5-6. and Because I think that you can, like they did last year, the Bengals, they won it 10 10-7. I think based on how competitive all these four teams are, I think they're going to inflict losses on one another. Ten wins might be good enough to win the division. And what about the elephant, or in this case, raven in the room? Injury riddled last year. They've still got holes, but all these four teams do. What about Baltimore? Frankly, they're my pick to win the division. And continue with that worst to first. And rather than me give you the lowdown on the Ravens, we got an expert name is Ryan McFadden. He covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. He joins us now on our Saverin on Steelers podcast. Ryan is, to the best of your knowledge, is head coach John Harbaugh happy with the way his preseason has gone?
0: Well, first off, thanks, Stan, so much for having me on again. Really appreciate it. Sure. Uh, I think you touched on it. I think you touched on it. The surprise is John McGlue. I thought he was – Uh, Really solid down the stretch last year in those five starts he made in 2021. Uh, It was really good against the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Browns uh, late in the regular season. Uh, He might have been the best lineman that the Steelers had late last year. Uh, Take that for what it's worth uh, at that point last year. But that was that was a major surprise. I like his versatility inside. He can play, you know, center. He can play guard. He got some reps at tackle. Uh, here in training camp and in the preseason. That was that was the biggest surprise, uh, especially with, with how the Steelers' offensive line has looked so far this summer.
1: Do you get the sense that Kendrick Green's pedigree as a third-round pick is the only reason he's still on the team?
0: I think so. I, I think that the Steelers still hold out some hope with him because of how athletic he is and um, how strong he can be in the run game. But I, I do think that that third-round pick that's still... Um, tied to him is keeping him on this roster at this point, because the play certainly is not there.
1: Do you think, how does this affect the rest of the offensive line? And do you think that this portends uh, potentially a a waiver wire claim? I know there are a couple guys on here I want to ask you about, um, or a trade of some kind.
0: I think the Steelers are going to be active and looking for an upgrade. Um, you know, right now it doesn't appear that that offensive line is set. I am a little surprised that a guy like Trent Scott is still around. Uh, I know that obviously he has experience in the Pat Meyer system. Uh, he's been everywhere Pat Meyer has been in the NFL, but uh, it just it, it's not a settling feeling right now. Looking at that that chart along the offensive line, knowing how some of these guys played, but as you mentioned, there are some names out there that are that are certainly intriguing that I'm sure we're going to get into.
1: All right. By the way, this Malik uh, uh, read deal that they made, some details are coming out. A late-round pick to Denver, but the Steelers get a seventh um, back for a sixth, according to um, the particulars of this uh, draft. Well, you shouldn't discount seventh-round pick. You never know. Since we're on the offensive line, Josh, a couple of guys that you have um, just – I want to you know, convince you that i I'm following, I'm paying attention – Um, (laughs) I appreciate it Yeah, a couple of guys uh, You you isolated a guy named Brock Hoffman Who was released today
0: Yeah, Brock Hoffman I saw him uh, at the Shrine Bowl In Las Vegas back in February Uh, He's a guy that that transferred from Coastal Carolina where he was a guard To Virginia Tech and he played center at Virginia Tech He's just an old school Physical nasty guy uh, In the trenches, he had a great preseason uh, With the Browns Played center and guard with Cleveland. It was very surprising to see Cleveland uh, cut him loose considering the injuries that they've had to deal with at center here in this off season. but that's a guy I know that the Steelers were were paying attention to uh, in Las Vegas. I know that Mark Bruner and TDI Wom were there uh, from the scouting staff, so they got an up-close and personal look at him. He's a guy I think could step in and I think he's an upgrade over a guy like, say, J.C. Hasenauer. No disrespect to J.C., but I think Brock Hoffman has legitimate starter upside in the NFL. Uh, He's an exceptional run blocker. I think he's everything that the Steelers were hoping Kendrick Green would be, that that brawler inside who brings that nasty physical presence in the run game and sets the tone.
1: Um, Interesting. Um, You know, uh, who knows? Well, we won't speculate. Um, But Mason Cole has played some guard. Uh, so if, mm-hmm. if they were to look at a guy like that, another guy that you outlined, a Blake Hans, another offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, Blake Hans was the guy who uh, he had he was forced into the starting lineup for that playoff game with the Browns against the Steelers uh, at Heinz Field back in 2020. Uh, many thought that that Cam Hayward was going to uh, you know take his lunch money throughout that game, but Hans held his own, looked really good in pass protection in that game. Uh, showed off some athleticism inside. I think he started a handful of games for the Browns since then. Uh, Just a guy, you know, the Steelers need to bring in some fresh faces as depth at this point. You have to throw things at the wall in hopes that it sticks. Uh, And that's a name that when I saw him hit the the waiver wire this morning, it was like, hey, the Steelers should be familiar with him, especially considering what he did to their star defensive tackle. Uh, That's a name that's certainly worth bringing in. He can play guard. He can play tackle. Uh, and like I said, he, he was a, a valuable swing tackle for a very good Browns offensive line the last two years.
1: Now they could use a starting tackle potentially if he's got that kind yeah. of upside. Um, another yep. couple names you mentioned, um, Alec Lindstrom.
0: Yes. So obviously the NFL bloodlines are there. Uh, his brother, Chris Lindstrom, is the starting guard uh, in Atlanta. Uh, Alec was a guy, again, just like Brock Hoffman. I saw him in Las Vegas at the Shrine Bowl this this past year. Um, just a very smart player, Uh, not as athletic as you'd like to see from a center at this point, but he's just, he's so smart between the years knows what's happening. Pre-snap puts himself in really good positions. He started over 50 games at Boston college, a little undersized, but you have to like the NFL bloodlines there and he can play some guard too. So I think when you're, when you're looking at some of these guys that are cut across the league, you're looking for that position versatility uh, and, and, that's what the Steelers need at this point uh, behind a guy like a Mason Cole or a James Daniels uh, moving forward.
1: Josh Carney of Steelers Depot is our guest and delighted to have him, especially on this day. There's a method to my madness. That's why we wanted to have Josh on today because of the uh, impending cuts. Um, you had a couple of guys listed as linebacker, Quincy Roche, former Steelers draft pick, and Chaz Surratt, but that uh, seems to um, – the need for that – um, has been uh, tamped down, if not eliminated. Uh, tell me your thoughts on Malik Reed.
0: Yeah, Malik Reed's a guy. He came out of Nevada, was kind of a, an underrated pass rusher in that 2019 draft. Uh, has all the, the physical tools 6'2, 240, um, has a really good pass rush repertoire. Uh, he he likes to hit the ghost rush a lot um, to get under those those bigger tackles. He had 13 sacks the last two years uh, for the Broncos, stepped up admirably in, in place of Bradley Chubb in 2020. To get him for, I think you said the updated terms were a sixth-round pick. I mean, for a guy that's played almost 2,000 snaps defensively and, and has you know 15 sacks in, in three years in the NFL, it's a great get for the Steelers. Uh, the only issue is he, he doesn't bring much Uh, special teams abilities at this point but if he's going to slot in as the number three outside linebacker in Pittsburgh I think they can live with with him not playing special teams and maybe relying on a guy like Derek Tuska to be that that fourth outside linebacker and and hold down the special teams role but Reed has had a lot of success in the NFL Uh, I think people um, might forget but 2020 at at Pittsburgh um, he had a strip sack on Ben Roethlisberger so uh, it's it's all there for him he's going to be a very valuable rotational piece to give guys like T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith a blow in games.
1: That's yeah, what they were looking for, and they seem to have gotten him without uh, really giving up a great deal. Uh, one name that mm-hmm. caught my eye, um, you know, given the Steelers' circumstance, um, it's it's obvious uh, that uh, um, they're going to take some of the players that they um, uh, are on the 53 and put them on IR. The unfortunate injury to DeMonte KZ um, sources indicate he's made the team, but he will not be able to play if he goes on IR. The Eagles released their starting safety from last year, Anthony Harris. Is he lo- is he worth a look? He's
0: a guy that definitely caught my attention as well. Uh, the only thing that kind of goes against him is the age factor and, and the, the lack of special teams' abilities. But for a guy that you want to bring in to kind of fill Casey's role in defense that can play that slot corner, can play that free safety to allow Minka Fitzpatrick to move around. Anthony Harris would make a ton of sense. Uh, he was an all-pro a few years ago, a pro bowler in Minnesota, um, had some ups and downs last year in Philadelphia, but the ball skills are there. He's a very good tackler. Uh, you know, he would be that chess piece to kind of step in for DeMonte Casey and allow the Steelers to continue to roll out that dime package that they were hoping for. Um, but I, I just don't know what the Steelers are going to do at safety at this point. Uh, it feels like Casey is going to land on the IR and be designated to return. Um, the 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 cut of Elijah Riley was a little bit surprising. Yeah, me too. They put a waiver claim in on him. Yeah, me too, yeah, Josh. I mean, and he made
1: a he made a couple of plays. I know there's more to it than that. I'm a little surprised there.
0: Yeah, I you know he made some plays on Sunday uh, against the Lions. He was very intriguing. Obviously, he has some NFL experience, so I was a bit surprised to see him uh, as part of the cuts here but the steelers definitely have to do something at safety. Uh, Anthony Harris is the guy that caught my attention. Um you know yesterday uh, a veteran Adrian Colbert uh, who was cut uh, no relation to Kevin, but I had some Steelers fans talking about that. <laughs> but, but is that, he is he any yeah. relation to
1: Stephen Colbert? That's what we need to know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know, but uh yeah, Adrian Colbert uh, or Colbert, excuse me, you got me. You got me a little <laughs> twisted here, but uh <laughs> Adrian Colbert, uh, just a veteran safety, 28 years old, would bring that physicality that that KZ kind of had. And and, and Colbert played a ton of special teams throughout his career. So there's some names out there for Omar Khan and Mike Tomlin to look at at safety. But losing KZ uh, at this point in the season is a big blow, considering what they were planning on using him for.
1: Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Um, I just remember that guy Brent Alexander? They brought in was a safety, veteran guy, kind of solidified. You know, he didn't play a whole lot, but maybe Colbert is, is that type of guy. I've only mentioned the guys that caught my attention, and and and, and what you had already put up on Twitter. Are there any other names that uh, have have been released that might be a target for the Steelers?
0: You know, I keep coming back to a guy like Solomon Kinley. Um, he was a guard out of Georgia a few years ago in the draft that they showed interest in. He was released by the Dolphins. Uh, Justin Schaefer, another guard out of Georgia this past year. Obviously, the Steelers had a huge presence at Georgia's Pro Day, uh, taking a look at George Pickens. But they had a chance to see him uh, up close and personal as well. So there's, some two, there's two guards there that are big bodies that can move people. Uh, Solomon Kinley, I believe, started uh, 15 games with the Dolphins as a rookie. So there's a guy with experience. Uh, the one name, though, that I kind of continue to circle and, and I'm very curious about is Kellen Mond, the quarterback that was cut by the Vikings. Steelers still have three quarterbacks on the roster at this point. You know, the, the Mason Rudolph trade buzz is still swirling, though it sounds like they're going to hold on to him. But uh, the Steelers have heavily scouted Texas A&M the last few years. Mond was there. Uh, they had a heavy presence at his pro day. I believe they talked to him at the combine as well. So. There's a guy. He's a, he's certainly a project, um, without a doubt. But he has the the traits and the, you know the tools that the Steelers have kind of been looking for uh, in their their new age quarterbacks. So that could be a guy to you know kind of take a a, a chance on as a practice squad developmental piece.
1: Well, some of is, people need to keep this in mind um, that even if Mason Rudolph is on the 53 man roster, um, the NFL trading deadline goes to near the end of October. That does not preclude the possibility that, you know, somebody goes down, uh, poor performance, this, that, the other, um, that they, you know, may be more desperate to make a trade than than they are on August the 30th. This brings up an interesting dilemma. Uh, It's a dilemma for them. It's not for us. Um, The initial reports are they're going to keep Derek Watt. The initial, and I'm reading between the lines here, it looks like they're going to keep Anthony McFarland. Does that mean... Benny Snell is gone, in your view, Josh, when you stop and consider that Jalen Warren is a lot like Benny Snell.
0: Yeah, you know, we just heard uh, Matt Canada speak, and he was talking like Anthony McFarland made the 53, which uh, is a bit of of a surprise. I I do wonder if Derek Watt is a guy that kind of goes on IR early in the year. He didn't play at all in the preseason. I know he was dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, I'm wondering if that might be a move to just give him more time, um, keep Benny Snell around to kind of fill those the, the, those special teams reps uh, and allow Connor Hayward to, to fully settle in. But I, I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around the Steelers potentially moving on from Snell, knowing how Mike Tomlin feels about him, knowing the experience that he has. Knowing the value he brings on special teams, I think certainly Jalen Warren has passed him on the depth chart as the number two at this point. But there's just there is a ton of value there with Snell uh, from a special team standpoint that I have a really hard time thinking he's the one that goes. And it's going to be really interesting to see how these last three or four roster moves go uh, for Omar Khan and the Steelers because there are certainly some some talented players that they might have to part with.
1: Yeah, undoubtedly. And we should also mention they're sitting now at fifty-six. Uh, but also, <laughs> by the same token, they really have to make four moves uh, because they've <laughs> now got to make room for Malik Reid. Uh, so there's more to come. Um, and it's, it seems, and nothing's for certain, but KZ definitely uh, will go on IR. Calvin Austin likely to go on IR. Um, do they like Montravius Adams enough? They, apparently they're, they haven't cut him yet. Still three, four cuts mm-hmm. to go. Do they like you? Is he worth keeping around? He showed some flashes last year.
0: He did. I thought he was really good down the stretch once he settled in and kind of understood the playbook and, and got more familiar with the, you know, the scheme and the terminology. I do wonder if he's a, he's an arcana as well. I think it would be really easy to say, Hey, those three, you're going to be designated to return. You're going to make the initial 53 and then we'll, you know, we'll make moves to bring guys back. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't see them carrying seven defensive tackles and, and allowing Adams to not practice, not get a helmet, you know, and and take the position away from, from another player at this point. I think the easy decision is to put those three on IR. I know that Calvin Austin talked last week leading up to the, the final preseason game that he was excited to be back, but he hasn't practiced yet. So I think him and KZ are the two easy ones. Adams, it's kind of up in the air at this point, but I, I have heard that they are leaning towards an IR spot with him because they do really like him. I think they showed that with the two-year deal they gave him in the offseason. But uh, there's just a lot of guys on the bubble right now. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. You know, Do they keep a guy like a Marcus Allen, yeah. a special teams ace for them, but has not done anything in training camp or the preseason due to a hamstring injury? You know, Justin Lane, they spent a third-round pick on him. Is it is it time to move on for him at this point? Um, you've obviously got Miles Blinken and and Steven Sims at receiver. I mean, both of them deserve a spot. So what what happens there? Uh, it, it's a good problem to have, though, for the Steelers because uh, there are guys that didn't win jobs by default. Everyone played relatively well, and, and it's making it hard for the decision-makers.
1: Last thing you know, we mentioned Buddy Johnson. I don't know if you share my opinion on him. He's just—he's just a half step s- slow. Um, yeah. yeah. He just—you just, just, know—he's not. I mean, he may fit in somewhere else. Um, but I'm wondering, uh, was it his deficiency or the bright light that was Mark Robinson, who's got—I mean, he would have been an ideal practice squad guy. I don't know if they clear waivers or not. But I mean, if they—if they, if they waive Buddy Johnson. Um, what are your thoughts on Mark Robinson? Did they you know, get a seventh-round find in him?
0: I think he was absolutely a find. Uh, once they made that selection, I kind of dove into his tape and was like, yeah, this, this guy can play. He's going to need some work, but he can play. I, I think he already has a high-level IQ from the position. He processes extremely quickly. Everyone knows he's a hard hitter. He's a very good tackler. I think he's missed one tackle the entire preseason. Uh, that it's just quite a find there. They took a chance on a guy who played one year of linebacker in college, and and he already looks like he's going to be a legitimate player for them. Uh, But I I do share the same thoughts with you regarding Buddy Johnson. He's just a tick too slow. He's not good in coverage, um, which is strange because he was pretty solid in coverage in college in the SEC at Texas A&M. I don't know if it was the added weight to, to kind of hold down that that buck linebacker position that's slowed him down or what. But uh, yeah, he just, he was a tick late to everything. I think playing right next to Mark Robinson, you could see on tape that that Robinson was just faster, processed better, was able to slip blocks easier and make plays. And I think it came down to just, it was an easy decision for the Steelers. Hey, we're going to roll with Mark Robinson and we'll try and get Buddy Johnson back on the practice squad. And uh, I think Buddy's good on special teams, but if you're putting him out there in the base defense at this point, you're asking for trouble. But with Robinson, I don't think that's the case. I think that's a guy that's going to be starting in a year or two uh, and is going to be the the new age Vince
1: Williams in a sense. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Vince Williams, although I think he's yes. a touch faster than Vince Williams. By the way, yes. one yes. more question about that. Uh, the Browns have cut Josh Rosen, and I only mention that because that means Josh Dobbs has locked up, and good for him. He's a great guy, Um, and he's Mm -hmm. the second quarterback, and then he'll be the third quarterback uh, when Deshaun Watson gets back. Since we talked on the uh, inside linebackers, last thing for you, Josh, have you noticed in in your your diagnosis of tape um, any improvement on Devin Bush? Um, He got beat by Hawkinson on the first pass of the game. Um, He was a guilty party in that draw on third and seventeen. He did make the stop on fourth and one, but it was really miles Jack who, who who jacked that thing up. So have you seen any improvement in his play whatsoever?
0: I saw a lot of improvement against Jacksonville last week. Uh, As far as Sunday against the lions, obviously he had a tackle for loss. I liked him as a blitzer. He seemed much more aggressive coming downhill, but uh, it just, it left a lot to be desired and, and, you know, that's just Devin Bush at this point. Um he's gonna always struggle to get off of blocks. That was never his strong suit coming out of Michigan. It was always kind of being that guy that flips around blocks, uses his athleticism and his speed to make plays. And I think you're starting to see things process quickly again for him and he's starting to show some flashes of that 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 speed and athleticism, but it's just not good enough at this point. I know that um, you know, the the Choice route from Hawkinson there on the first play of the game went for, I think, 14 yards. That's a tough play for any linebacker to make. But, again, it just looked like Devin was guessing. Then the draw play, I just I don't know what it's going to take from him. I think after that play, he was pulled out of the game. I did see Brian Flores talking to him. Once he went back in, it felt like Bush was much more aggressive and coming downhill. Uh, but you'd like to see some of those issues cleaned up. But I, I just I think he's going to be sharing time with Spillane throughout the year, and I, it would not shock me if Mark Robinson starts to see snaps at that position next to Miles Jack late in the year. But uh, it's it's still a process with Bush. Um, There's some plays on tape where you're like, okay, that's the rookie year Bush I've seen, and then there are others where it's just like, what what is going on there with with you um, that it's it's just certainly concerning. So definitely up and down on Sunday, but I did see improvements the week before. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. He's got two weeks now to, to kind of figure it out and get ready for Cincinnati and hopefully he hits the ground running in the regular season.
1: No team in the AFC North is going to be considered an odds-on favorite. The Bengals are right now because they're the defending champs. But I already gave you my reasons why it may not be as easy as perhaps they think. I do believe it's going to be a very competitive division. I don't know that any one of these teams is Super Bowl worthy. I don't think so, even though the Bengals were a year ago. I just don't see it. But I do see a very highly contested and very, very competitive division. A reminder that our Saverin on Steelers podcast, we have two per week, generally Tuesdays and Thursdays. That may change once we get into the regular season because we want to make the content as relevant as we can and as close to game days, both day after games and days before games, as we can. But if you enjoy the podcast, please let us know. You can contact me, um, Stan Saverin, at iHeartMedia.com, or you can respond on Twitter, at Stan Love the Show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks to Ryan McFadden for giving us that scouting report on the Baltimore Ravens. It's been my pleasure to be with you. I'm Stan Saverin. A reminder, you can listen to me daily on ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM, or on the iHeartMedia app. Until we uh, meet again, thanks, everyone, Steeler Nation. This is Stan Saverin for Saverin on Steelers podcast. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get 5 quarts with an STP Extended Life oil filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in the zone.
0: AutoZone.
1: Restrictions apply. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the Kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.